When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Tuesday, July 21st, which means we are one week away from everyone reporting to Bears camp. Well, besides us. And just like that, we're almost back to football. I'm Eros Wildewitt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us, honestly, we have a lot of work ahead of us this week. Uh, We still have three positions to preview for our annual Countdown to Camp series as we hit a couple of roadblocks throughout the summer. And speaking of which, Nick, uh, we put our recording last week on hold because you had to get some wisdom teeth taken out. Unfortunately, you didn't get the laughing gas, which I was looking forward to perhaps a video of that. But overall, you seem like you're recovering really well for that happening just a few days ago. Yeah, I know. It's been surprising. I didn't go under, get the laughing gas, anything like that. They just took out the two teeth and I didn't even feel it to be completely honest. They split my bottom one in half Took that one out, didn't feel it. Then the top one just easily. But I have been getting some some weird pain. I don't know how long it's supposed to last. Hopefully not too long, but it was a pretty easy process. But like you said, there's been a lot that we've that well, I know that I've been doing, and obviously you have too. Uh got a puppy, as, as a lot of you know, had my uh one year anniversary with my girlfriend just yesterday. There's been a lot since I've been on the since we've been on the last podcast. So it's been been a little crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're talking about that pain. Are you cleaning that out correctly and shooting that water in and getting all the food particles out? Yeah, so I've been doing that. I've been gargling with salt water, too, is what I heard you're supposed to do. But yeah, yeah it just it comes and goes. It's It's weird. Like right now, I'm fine. Probably after the podcast is over, I'll be feeling some pain again. Did I ever tell you about the time that I ate sushi after I got my wisdom teeth taken out? No, what happened? Well, you know me and my food allergies, I had both my bottom wisdom teeth taken out, and shortly after the fact, a few days later, I ate some sushi because it's nice and soft, and 
uh, I think it was salmon. And I found out I was allergic to salmon, but it got like in the holes. So like my gums like were just on fire throughout my entire mouth uh, with that allergic reaction. So a lot of Benadryl and about a six hour afternoon nap after didn't have to go to class that day. Uh, it was back when I was in school, but yeah, that was a, a terrible mistake on my end. So just stay away from things that you may be allergic to. And I don't even know what that is. So <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing now. And I think I'll be all right. Well, I think at this age, you would know. So I think you're in a pretty good spot. But Nick, we have, like I said, I talked about it already. We have a lot to get through this week. Uh, today's episode is going to be all about the Chicago Bears tight ends. And uh, we'll follow this up with a recording on Thursday with the Bears wide receivers. And we'll wrap up Countdown to Camp on Sunday with a show dedicated to the Chicago Bears quarterback competition, which if you're listening, that quarterback show, I'm anticipating a pretty interesting guest for that one. Uh, fingers crossed it all works out to fruition. Um, but you definitely don't want to miss that, especially if you've been listening to our show for quite some time. But Nick, are you ready to begin the show and go ahead and discuss the Bears tight end group? Let's get it. All right, so let's go ahead and just jump right into tier one, which is a completely new group compared to this time a year ago. We have the veteran free agent and we have the Bears 2020 first overall pick. And let's go ahead and begin with the vet with a decade of experience at the pro level. And that, of course, is Jimmy Graham. Graham is entering his 11th year in the league and his first in Chicago after signing with the Bears this offseason. And of course, we've discussed Graham a couple of times already on the podcast over the last few months, so I believe we have a pretty good grasp of what he brings to the table. The one item that we've hit on before, but it's worth bringing up again, it's just his availability and durability, which is just the opposite of now former Bear Trey Burton. Graham, he's only missed seven games in his 10 seasons in the NFL. So Nick, even though Graham, he's out of his prime and his best football is behind him, I believe he can still make an impact in the offense this season. And obviously the Bears do too, signing him to a decently sized contract. But what about you? What sort of influence will he have on the Bears offense and its approach compared to perhaps just a year ago? Availability is going to be obviously key for the tight end position and Jimmy Graham, but a lot of stuff that the Bears weren't able to do. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it last season because there weren't capable tight ends is just have those easy dump off throws over the middle to kind of just spread things out and give whichever quarterback is going to start a, you know an easy throwing lane and a big thing with Jimmy Graham obviously you said it will that his best years of football are probably behind him which I, I agree with you but it was just in 2017 not too too long ago he did lead the league in red zone targets so he was somebody with again with the Seattle Seahawks led the NFL in those targets and had 10 touchdowns in the red zone inside the 20. So that's an area where the bears can definitely take advantage of Jimmy Graham's skill set, having that basketball background, being able to box people out and get in position and use that to their advantage on offense. The bears can use all the help they can get on offense and having somebody that's one available and has that capability to make plays in the red zone is going to be key. Now he didn't do that really in green Bay in two seasons, 93 receptions, over a thousand yards, five touchdowns, but let's see what happens in an offense that does predicate and use the tight end a little bit more than what you've seen in green Bay the past few seasons. 
Yeah, and by the way, your mic monster is coming back alive now that we're recording. It, you knew it was going to happen. You did jinx it before we went live, but you talked about sure. Jimmy Graham as a red zone threat, and that's something that I brought up, I believe, as soon as they signed him, as well as our, in our top 10 off-season move episode. And I look back at it, and I actually watch every single one of his red zone touchdowns over the last three seasons, the two in Green Bay and the previous one that you mentioned in Seattle, and I noticed a couple of things that I think the Bears should definitely be looking at. Uh, first and foremost, um, in Green Bay, uh, you just see him being beating his man a lot there, whether he's just going straight to the corner route or some just crossing routes uh, right there in, inside the 10. Uh, he was able to gain some separation uh, despite that he's up there in age uh, and just kind of create some space for Aaron Rodgers to make those throws. But in Seattle, they used him a little bit differently, and this is what I really want the Bears to kind of get back to, Uh, with Graham because Green Bay didn't do it at all. And that's actually lighting him up out wide on -on one-on-one coverage and the corner of the end zone. uh, Just get him straight out there wide as a wide receiver. Like I said, Green Bay didn't do that one at all, but it really was just so impactful. Uh, A lot of times Seattle and Russell Wilson would just throw fades to him. And then about halfway through the season, when defense is kind of caught on, like, hey, when Jimmy Graham split out wide, we're going to run the fade then they're able to attach a couple of different options to that route, whether it's a quick hitch or you cut it inside. There's just so many options when you can beat people on a one-on-one. But when I was watching Jimmy Graham in a red zone, you see him beating linebackers in man coverage, safeties in man coverage, corners in man coverage. And just like you, Nick, I'm excited about the the potential that Graham brings as a red zone threat with his ability to beat man coverage. He's not the fastest tight end uh you know age is caught up to him but he still has what i'll call swiftness and savviness with his route running to give quarterbacks good windows to make in that congested area of the field and so for me jimmy graham being a red zone threat a true red zone threat and he's been one throughout his entire career and you talked about it uh leading the league a couple years ago in red zone targets he also led in red zone touchdowns this year that 10 did lead uh the nfl in red zone touchdowns, I think for tight ends for sure, it may even been the entire NFL. Don't have that right in front of me right now, but either way, that's good news for the Bears if they can kind of tap into that potential. Do you have uh, confidence that Matt Nagy can get it done? That's kind of the bigger question. Yeah, that's that is the bigger question, but I think just looking at how Andy Reid offenses in the past have done and utilize a tight end gives me confidence that Matt Nagy can get the most out. Of Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, guys that we're going to talk about, but that's going to be the key here. I mean, we saw what Trey Burton did in 2018, right? He had a very good season for the Bears. Now, I don't expect those numbers for a Jimmy Graham, but you do expect him to have at least opportunities to show that he can produce some stats. So I am, I, I don't know if I want to say I'm confident in Matt Nagy, but I think the opportunities are going to be there. Yeah, and like I said, there's so many different routes you can do it. You can get them on crossing routes um, when you're outside the 10 and you're more like uh, just just crossing the 20, take the 15, 18-yard line. He can attack the seam. Uh, I've seen him get some touchdowns on some wheel routes as well to kind of get some of that separation. So, again, a lot of options here I think Graham brings to the table. Uh, Obviously, I was going to say as opposed to Trey Burton, but last year wasn't really an example. But going back to 2018, I still think there's some ways you can utilize Graham that perhaps you couldn't a Trey Burton. Graham is a little bit more savvy. He has much more experience. And uh, speaking of that savviness, that experience, 
Do you think that's going to help him a lot this offseason with how the COVID changed the entire offseason program? Because I believe he should be able to pick up the offense rather quickly. The Bears should be able to design some plays around him. My bigger concern with Graham, and maybe I'm just being a little ageist here on the podcast, but that's maybe his conditioning and overall being in shape by the time you know he gets to camp here in just a few days because he's not a young buck anymore. It's going to take him a little while to get that motor running, get a little bit revved up. Are you concerned at all for that playing a factor early on in the season as he kind of gets his footing and that traction back? I don't know. It's kind of up in the air, right? Um, with these professional athletes, I think you're a lot of them are going to come in you know, into camp in shape, and then they got to get into football shape. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic for, I think, everybody. But I'm not too concerned with that. I just actually want to expand on one of your points about being a veteran and having that experience. There's a lot of times when I was just watching Jimmy Graham's tape, when the play is broken down and there has to be uh, a quarterback has to make a play because they're scrambling and trying to get out of the pocket, you see Jimmy Graham doing a really good job adjusting his route as well. A lot of the Bears players, receivers, tight ends, whoever it was, didn't adjust when a play broke down. You see Jimmy Graham just being a veteran, knowing where he should be, where he should go, adjust his route accordingly to give his quarterback at least an opportunity to make a pass. And I think that's going to also play a factor in Jimmy Graham being someone, again, that is able to produce some stats here in Chicago, just having that veteran savviness that you were talking about, adjusting on broken plays, and again, just giving the offense more chances to stay on the field. Okay, so you saw that too. That's exciting because I saw a play uh, in Green Bay specifically where he was supposed to just run to like the middle of the field and just kind of sit there in the window. And then he did. He did his job, but then the pocket collapsed. Rodgers rolled out to his left, and then Graham just kind of mirrored him to the sideline and was able to get that touchdown there. So you're seeing that too, the ability to take broken plays and finding a solution and being a quarterback's outlet, their friend in that regard. And we've talked about it last year. It didn't seem like the Bears had many people who were able to do that a year ago, heck, even two years ago. It always seems like that's a issue that the Bears can't find a way to work out is when plays collapse, who can become that outlet, who can get back to the quarterback, who can uh, extend it creatively uh, to get to that point. So you're seeing that too, which is really exciting to me because I saw glimpses of that, but I didn't know if it was enough to warrant a talking point here, but you bringing it up put a smile on my face because I had that in my notes too. You know, when you mentioned the wheel route, I know exactly the play that you were talking about. Like I saw that exact, you know, that exact play. So I think, you know, obviously when we heard about the initial signing, both of us were not very happy with it. But when you think about what Jimmy Graham is going to bring to this tight end room, and just the the pluses to his game, and one being availability, I think being the most important one, you see why the Bears did it. You see why the Bears had to go out and sign a tight end. Maybe the money doesn't really correlate with where Jimmy Graham is at, but now given some time, we're heading into training camp, it does make sense for the Bears and just what Matt Nagy wants to get out of that position and his offense. Now, when it comes to Graham, I mean, we've talked about some of the positive, but do you have any concerns when it comes to him, or is it really just about us finding those proper expectations? Because the more I sit on, on this, the, like you, I, I start to feel like, you know, we're going to have more talent than we did a year ago, which is a big plus. But at his age, I don't think we can really go overboard with what we should expect from him. Instead, we just need to set the bar at a, a reasonable height. And I believe if we can do that, we can look back and see Graham as a decent addition. Again, the money, like you said, maybe the dollars and cents don't add up, but it's not our money. 
the Bears could have used it in a variety of ways, and that's the way they want to do it. And at the end of the day, again, it doesn't impact our wallet, but are, is there anything that you're concerned with, Graham, or is it just really about the right frame of mind of knowing what we should expect out of him? Yeah, I think if you're expecting him to lead the league in red zone targets and you know go back to what was it the 2013 season where he absolutely just goes off with the same like you're you're not that's not reality that's not who Jimmy Graham is that's not what he was you know that's just not who the player he is now so it's just setting realistic expectations and just if he's out there every single week which you can't say for Trey Burton Adam Shaheen and tight ends of the past. And he's producing is open is giving Mitch or Nick Foles a opportunity to make a pass. You can you can take that. Obviously, the money you want to see a little bit more to it, but and maybe that adds an element to the the red zone offense or just the offense in general. That's how you got to maybe treat this signing and the expectations with it. Because if you're expecting anything like stellar Pro Bowl stats, you're you're going to be I think disappointed. Yeah, you need a time machine for that one, but. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. I think Matt Nagy mentioned it uh, in their uh, Zoom conferences uh, after the free agency hit, and they're just talking like, yeah, we see ways that we can use him in his offense like instantly from day one, and we have ideas uh, right out of the gate, and that's why we went and got him uh, as quickly as we did. So hopefully all of that comes to fruition, but I want to go ahead and move on from the most experienced tight end on the roster to the least, and that's rookie out of Notre Dame, Cole Komet. Komet was the Bears' first pick, the first tight end off the board, and the 43rd overall player taken in this year's draft. Komet brings to the table an impressive combination of size at six foot six, 262 pounds, and athleticism that we're all hoping Matt Nagy and company can really tap into this season and beyond. But Nick, we know all too well, rookie tight ends, they tend to struggle. Looking at the last four tight ends taken by pick 43 of the last two seasons, you have TJ Hawkinson, who was the eighth overall in 2019. He did finish with 32 catches, 367 yards, two touchdowns. And then you have Noah Fant, 20th overall last year, 40 catches, 562 yards, three touchdowns. So maybe Rookie tight ends out of Iowa have a good time adjusting to the NFL. Maybe. We can talk about that another day, Nick. But uh, looking at 2018, the top two tight ends before that pick at 43, you have Hayden Hurst. He was pick number 25. His rookie year, he only had 13 catches for 164 yards and a touchdown. Then Mike Jacecki uh, yeah, at 42nd overall, 22 catches, 202 yards, zero touchdowns. So the good news is, the on top of this, uh, Hurst and Gusecki, the 2018 class, they nearly doubled their production in their sophomore years, but that does not help us today. That's for 20 and 21, Will and Nick talk about. But right now, taking these rookie numbers into consideration, it feels like we really should taper expectations for Comet in year one. And I want to know, Nick, if that's true, and if it is, what are your expectations? I think, you know, Gasecki, he makes a lot of sense as to, you know, where we should look just because they were drafted roughly in the same position of the draft. He was 42nd overall, Komet 43rd. But what should expectations be as we allow Colt Komet to kind of adjust to the pro level? And keep in mind, he too had an offseason that was deeply impacted like everyone else due to COVID. So all these other tight ends had 
rookie mini camps, OTAs, uh, full training camps, full preseasons, and they still didn't really produce to a high degree. So I think Komet's going to be, you know, even more uh, handcuffed as we kind of start this season, just due to the circumstances that 2020 is bringing us. Yeah. So when you think of just rookie tight ends, what they have to do coming into their rookie season, they have to understand blocking concepts like they're an offensive lineman but also understand the nuances of running routes like a receiver. So there's a lot on their plate coming into the NFL, and that's why when you see these rookie tight end stats, maybe they don't reflect the actual player that they can become because they just need to understand a whole bunch of different concepts and things in within an offense. But I was able to talk to Cole Komet's offensive coordinator, former offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, Chip Long, and he said that, Obviously, he talked very, you know, highly about his former player, but he said that his character and work ethic are some of the biggest things that lead him to believe that he's going to have a successful NFL career. There, he said, uh, and a good quote from him is that very few times in his life you get to coach a player like Komet because of that character, that work ethic. And remember, he was splitting time playing baseball at Notre Dame, but never missed a workout for football, just balancing everything, and was still able to be productive at Notre Dame in just three seasons there. So I think with him and just the expectations, just like what we're kind of thinking with Jimmy Graham, you kind of have to lower them just because there's a lot on a rookie tight ends plate coming into the NFL, but he is a complete package tight end. That's why he was the first one drafted. He's the most well-rounded guy in terms of blocking, receiving, and like you mentioned, that size that puts him in a position to be successful, we know Matt Nagy and just Andy Reid offenses, they do like to utilize their tight end. So I think you're going to see more 12 personnel packages just on the field where you're going to have, again, that one running back, two tight ends, two wide receiver sets. And that is something that I think can lead to more opportunities for a guy like Cole Komet, who is capable of running you know, all the routes in the route tree especially down the middle of the field with those seam routes and is just bigger than most uh, bigger than all safeties really. So there's a lot of mismatch opportunities that if you have both a Cole Komet and a Jimmy Graham, you're going to have defenses a little bit in a flux of how they want to adjust to them. Yes. Cole Komet is a rookie. We talked about hindering just maybe the expectations, but he does have a unique skill set that I think Matt Nagy is going to get the most out of because, look, that was their first draft pick. They want to obviously get the most out of him, and they are going to. But it's just a lot, like I said in the beginning, that a tight end has to deal with when they come into the NFL. Nick, sometimes uh, you just scare me with how in line you are with me because the next talking point here in my notes I had is – uh, really interesting skill set and potential for Komet. Uh, we need to get uh, Nagy to get the most of his rookie tight end, and how does he do it? So you already jumped the gun here, but you already talked about it, his athleticism. Uh, he Obviously, every rookie tight end can improve in blocking, but you said it. He's a complete one. He can do these things. What out of his skill set intrigues you the most as a rookie for the 2020 season that you really do believe Nagy can tap into because for me, I think it's just going to have to be that athleticism and trying to find him a favorable matchup, whether that's lining him up in the backfield as an H back to get him on a linebacker and to get him some good angles, whether that's putting him on the line and doing the same thing. But I think you just have to find a way to, I know he's not going to be the move tight end. He's looking to be that why that more inline guy, but I know that's also interchangeable and they should move him around. They should find him some matchups. And I think Komet with that skill set of the athleticism plus his size, I think you can find him a DB or a linebacker and maybe even a safety, uh, depending on the opponent, that he should be able to exploit uh, on any given Sunday. 
Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that I guess excites me the most about Cole Komet and what they're going to do, even in his rookie season, is just that receiving ability. That wasn't there for the Bears. And obviously you want to see him be a good, efficient blocker, and that's still an area of his game I would like to see him improve, and he's going to struggle with it during his rookie season, no doubt. But it is the receiving ability, Will, that athleticism, where he is able to get those mismatches from a defense and then just make catches and yards after the catch. That's what you see from a Travis Kelsey, a Zach Ertz, those type of tight ends in that Andy Reid style offense. Now, com- look, I'm not comparing, you know, obviously a rookie to those Pro Bowl, All Pro, like those great tight ends in the league. But that's what Matt Nagy, that's what this Bears organization must have been looking at when they saw a Cole Komet on their draft board, when they were singling out who they want in this offense. Maybe he can be that. Not going to you know, put a, you know, a prediction right now on that, but that is probably what they want as the model for their offense. And that's why those offenses have success and they have a tight end that's capable of just stretching the field getting those mismatches, but it is Cole Komet's receiving ability that I think we will see a lot of flash plays from him, even in his rookie season. Now, real quick, before the next topic here, I just wanted to mention, I saw a couple of people asking when we're going to do wide receivers, so they probably just joined in late. So doing tight ends today on Tuesday, Thursday, wide receivers, Sunday, quarterbacks. And that's how we're going to wrap up Countdown to Camp. But Nick, uh, we have one item left before we kind of enter the second tier of tight ends. And it's just one final question, both in Graham and Komet combined. And both of them, they're not known for being the best blocking tight ends. And that's fine. We're not bringing them here to just be blockers. We do need them to be very uh, valuable receivers in this offense as well. But I've seen a lot of Bears fans uh, throughout this entire offseason really concerned about uh, the Bears' ability to block from this position. And I just want to know, is this a true concern for you? Because for me, the more I thought about this in preparation for the show, I'm not two-phased. I think we've had lesser talented blocking tight ends on the field over the last few years. And I don't think the, quote, need for a blocking tight end is really too new, but it's still important. We talked about it in the last show with the the running game. Obviously, obviously blocking needs to be improved across the board. But just thoughts on these two tight ends from a blocking perspective and whether or not we should be concerned. Because, again, I'm not really all too phased. I th- again, I think we're improved compared to a year ago, uh, which is a good thing. Just I don't know how much of a good thing it is. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be the question mark, I think, from both these guys. Uh, Jimmy Graham has never been known as a blocker. He has great size, but that's just not his strength. And then you have Cole Komet, who's going to be just getting adjusted to the NFL game. And if he has – look, if the Bears are wanting to put Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet on one of the premier edge rushers like some teams have done to Cleo Mack with their tight ends, they're asking – to make their they're asking for their tight end to one get beat and their quarterback to get hit so the bears just have to be smart about how they kind of utilize both these guys when they are blocking don't have them block the premier edge rusher one-on-one that's just you're again you're asking for it but when it's a you know an outside zone play and they're on the back end maybe having to block the end from just coming and making the play a little bit maybe that's better suited but like a lead block or something like that that's your hint look you're maybe restricting what you can do but you're probably probably reducing the negative plays you're going to get to be completely honest but they just got to be smart about how they call their plays when those tight ends are in the game and look they are going to be asked to make some some key blocks they have to that you can't you can't cater an offense completely around that aspect of their games but they just got to be smart about it I think that's going to be the key thing for the Bears and these two tight ends. 
Yeah, I hear you. Um, I, I would uh, add to that. I don't believe their ability to block is going to hinder the offense or really change how Matt Nagy wants to approach this season. Uh, so I think at the end of the day, we can run the scheme, the system that we want. It's not going to hold Nagy back from you know creating the system that he knows needs to succeed. Obviously, 2019 was a bad year for him after a really remarkable 2018. So he does need to really recoup this offense, get it back on track for his own sake. So I don't think he's going to limit it just for these tight ends and their blocking ability. So is that about what you're getting at too? Just making sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, we need to see Matt Nagy really open up the offense, do the exact opposite of you yeah. know restricting it. So yeah, I agree with you. All right, well, let's go ahead and down to the next rung on the ladder and enter tier two. And let's begin with the most productive tight end from a season ago. And that's going to be J.P. Holtz, who led the unit with a whopping seven catches for 91 yards. And yeah, Nick, that's why the Bears invested so much into the position this offseason. Uh, Holtz, he was a late addition to the team. He was claimed off of waivers after being released by Washington in week two. Solomon about a third of the offensive snaps throughout the season, obviously leading the position last year. I'm going to say it was no accomplishment. But Nick, anything about Holtz that you saw a year ago that makes you think he can be perhaps a viable part of the depth chart this year? Yeah, I think it's J.P. Holtz's versatility. You saw him a lot as that H-back, like you you were said earlier, Will. And I think that's where the Bears maybe found value in where J.P. Holtz can, I, I don't know if it's add to the offense, but maybe help it out when it needed it. Because as you mentioned with the offensive line, they were terrible. They, they just couldn't block. So that game against the Chargers, you see J.P. Holtz being implemented as that fullback type role. The Bears as a result, had their best rushing game of the season that day. And there was a lot of other times within the offense, J.P. Holtz was just back there as that fullback. So I think he adds that. And also, he is a, he is a tight end. So you can see him in that traditional tight end role, but he is more of the blocking kind of tight end, that wide tight end in Matt Nagy's offense. But I think that's where he adds value. So yes, he is listed as a tight end, obviously here, but it may be his most, I guess, or his most valuable position for the Bears is really that H-back, fullback type role because that is where he showed glimpses of just being productive and really helping out this Bears offensive line that just could not get a push. There are a couple times where David Montgomery gets a some key runs, some key runs in that Chargers game because J.P. Holtz is just blocking that unblocked man and opening things up for, for Montgomery in that Bears offense. So that's where I saw him having value. Obviously, he played a little bit of special teams as well, but I'm not really looking. I'm For me personally, I'm not looking at him as your traditional tight end. It's more that fullback and then slash tight end. Nope, that makes sense to me, and I'm right in line there with you. I think you really put J.P. Holtz in a nutshell. He It does bring a little bit of everything to the table, just – to the degree that we need him to be a starter, it's just not going to be there. And that's why if he is more in the back end of this depth chart, if he makes the team, that's just where he's really best suited. So he can be used more sparingly, but also more bang for your buck, making those snaps, those reps more valuable for the Bears. Let's go ahead and just keep on going now. Round uh, tier two is going to go a little bit quicker here. And the Bears added another tight end this offseason that also has experience that we haven't even talked about yet. And that's Demetrius Harris. 
He's more of that traditional inline type of tight end. He's been in the league since 2014. He had six years in Kansas City, where, of course, he crossed paths with Matt Nagy. And he spent the last season in Cleveland. He does have six touchdowns over the last two seasons, but this signing, when it happened, felt flat with a lot of Bears fans. But, of course, that was the first piece of news that we had this offseason. It was way before Graham. It was way before Komet. So perhaps perspective changes now with all the pieces coming together. So, Nick, I want to know, what are your thoughts on Harris entering entering camp? For me, with 39 career starts, and I want to call a boatload of production, at least if you compare to the other players on this second tier, I really can't help but see him making this team. And it's not that I'm, quote, high on Harris. I just see the fit. I believe he can be a reasonable third option here at tight end. But, Nick, I want to know, you're like my... uh, Jeez, I I forget. Is it Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Is that who you are? But I was going to say, am I uh, too high, too low, or just about right? You're just about right. I'm surprised you already gave away that Harris is going to make the roster. I said I little... think he will. I can always change yeah, it before we get to the it. show. He's making it. Okay, but cool. I, I agree with you there, Will. I think when just looking at what Harris does bring to the position, just watching some film on him, he is that in-line guy. And a lot of those offenses that I referenced earlier in the show, again, Doug Peterson and then just what they do in Kansas City, there is a second tight end complementing the main guy, Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz. And not to say that Demetrius Harris is the compliment. It's going to be Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham. But Demetrius Harris is a guy that you could bring in blocking, maybe play around 35% of the offensive snaps, maybe a little less than that. But he has familiarity with Nagy. Uh, In an interview with the Chicago Sun-Times, he also said that he thinks that he can expand a little bit more in that receiving ability. He's a former basketball player, played at uh, Milwaukee in college. And I think that maybe he just could, can get a little bit more opportunities here. Obviously there's a rookie that the bears are going to get the most out of and Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham, obviously, but there could be opportunities that he just wasn't getting in Kansas city. And then with the Browns just last season, but that familiarity is going to be key, especially with this whole COVID situation, the training camp being hindered, everything just being hindered. He has, he knows what Matt Nagy can do in an offense. And I think just like you, he is going to have value for this bears offense in 2020. Yeah, I mean, if he can be a third piece here, that next guy in line who can really step into, uh, you know, assist if Komet needs to take a breather or even with a Graham, again, he's had three touchdowns in each of his last two seasons coming in the red zone. So he too can be a sneaky red zone threat. You get up there inside the three and you want to go in a jumbo set with three tight ends and you're looking at Allen Robinson, you're probably looking at Anthony Miller if you're this defense, plus any back in the backfield, or Komet and Graham. You sneak on Harris, who's probably going to be the least of anyone's worries, and I think he can find a way to, uh, again, It's he's not going to blow anyone away with his stats, but he could be a sneaky option to come in with some clutch uh, catches if the situation arises. Again, nothing overly out of this world, but he is someone I think will have a role in this offense, which compared to a year ago, We didn't really have this kind of a guy, so I think there's going to be more value here than what most or some people would think. 
All right. Up next, we have Ben Broniker, who's now entering year five in the NFL and, of course, here in Chicago. He's still young. He's 26, but despite his five years in the league, well, sorry, four previous years in the league, he hasn't had much of a breakout. Last season, though, was his best chance to kind of prove himself, but in the 11 games that he was active before going on IR with a concussion, he only appeared in about 20% of offensive snaps, and he didn't really produce. Six catches in 11 games for 60 yards in that one touchdown. Now, I think in previous seasons, Nick, we've been higher on Broniker, but last year, I think, proved that he's hit a wall in his development. He kind of capped out. Uh, he does have special teams value, but in terms of an offensive weapon, I don't really think we're going to see anything more out of him than what he displayed a year ago. How about you? Yeah, when you think of Ben Broniker, it doesn't help that you know he only played in 11 games. He was placed on IR due to concussion, but you do see... Again, nothing too stellar with him, and maybe he's just a piece that every now and then will make his way into the offense. I think more the Bears maybe thought more of a blocking tight end, but then I think back it was, what, against the Lions. He made a really good adjustment catches, again, showing uh, that he's able to adjust on the run, has a defender, kind of just grabs a ball over his back and makes a nice nice catch. So it's interesting, Ben Broniker, I know that the Bears usually – carry four tight ends on a roster and like now with bringing in three new ones where's ben broniker kind of fit into the mix of things it's going to be interesting uh just a side note here he did get engaged yesterday to sydney golick who is the daughter of sports radio host mike golick so congrats to them but yeah so it's uh interesting that um well good good for him but i don't know how again football wise where it's going to where it's where it's going to lead to because there are now, I, not that there's capable tight ends. There, there is and there isn't, but it's going to be just interesting how his tight end room shapes out. There's so, what, 9, 10 uh, at one point, and now we have to kind of cut it down. And I don't know if you saw this earlier, Will, but they're going to cut it down for, I think, next week. You have to have 80 players on the roster. I think it's usually 90 that you can go into camp. So a lot of those undrafted free agents, those lower-end guys, won't even have the opportunity to kind of compete. They have to come in with 80. Wow. Yeah, no, I see. I've been I've been so stressed out with work right now and not being able to get into my daily news. That's uh, that is news to me, which this is why I bring you on the show to get me up to speed through whatever I miss throughout the week. But 80 that's I, I've heard rumblings that may be the case, but I didn't know they made that official. Yeah, that's going to be really tough to make. How do you cut 10 guys that you don't even see on the field yet? That's a really you really have to just go with your gut on how these guys are going to project. But you're like, I think we talked about this on the last show. You're going to miss out on some players. Maybe the bears won't, but there are going to be teams that miss out on gems due to this. And you know, one man's trash is going to be another team's treasure down the road, but it's really going to be a difficult situation for everyone, not just the bears, but that's, that's interesting. But yeah, like you said, Ben Broniker, uh, at least for me, uh, not that I'm soured on him. I think he's fine. It's just, I think with what the bears are doing, I see his time perhaps being a little bit more limited here in Chicago than perhaps previous years. But I think he has, has a future here in the NFL, which is why uh, Sidney Golick is, you know, he put a ring on it. So we're, we're, he's all good. He's uh, he's set to go. But we have a couple more tight ends to get to here in Tier 2. And let's go ahead and talk about last year's preseason hero, Jesper Horstead. And of course, Nick, if you remember, I was all in on making this man and putting him on the team uh, in training camp in preseason a year ago. He was a consistent stand-up player for every one of the Bears practices that we attended. I felt like every camp report podcast, we had to mention him at least once in a very positive way. 
Of course, he also showed out in preseason games, but he was stashed away in the practice squad, and I had to be patient until he reached the active roster in Week 12. In the final six games of the season, he had a catch in five of them. And on top of that, Nick, fun fact, the Bears were 4-12 and in games that Jesper Horstead played. Just saying. But the production that he had, too, eight catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown in his six games is pretty damn solid. I mean, that was the most dominant stretch and consistent stretch that we had out of any single tight end a year ago. And on top of that, we saw it in practice, we saw it in preseason, we saw it in the regular season. He makes some incredible catches. Like those tough, contested, concentration type of catches, he can make them. But Nick, are you still writing what I'm calling the horse said hype? I don't think I am, Will. I think, um, again, he had a good... In trading camp, we were talking about him every day, like you said. And it was great to talk about him. And making that, seeing him make that touchdown catch against the Lions, that, I think, just proved that he was able to take what he did in training camp and actually apply it on the football field. On, on I think it was actually a Thursday game. I was going to say Sundays. But <laughs> he was able to do that. Um, it's just, it's going to, it's, the Bears are going to have to, May, I think weigh the decision, do they want more of a receiving tight end, which definitely Jesper Horstead is, or do they want to bring on another blocking guy to to make this 53-man roster? And that, I think, is going to play into the, the decision whether Horstead actually makes a team or doesn't. He has the receiving ability. He definitely does. And uh, I think, you know, obviously the stats that he put up for tight ends, it is the Bears' tight ends, so whatever compared him to. But good for him that he did it in the first place. I'm not on the, what you just call it, the Jesper Horstead? Horstead hype. It's real catchy. Get get on it. You can start that, Will. We'll see how many people join <laughs> it with you, but I am not. I'm going to be left off that one. You're not on the hashtag Horstead hype. That's, that's sad to me. I, I really thought you would be. This is the one time that we're going to disagree, and I'm I'm slightly offended, actually. I'm sorry. Well, hopefully Jesper Horstead proves us all wrong and becomes a capable player for the Bears. Well, who's us? It ain't me. Oh, true. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, obviously it's that time of year, but I thought he, like you said, and what I mentioned, he played well in his limited role that he got, and perhaps practice squad may be another designation for him. It's just, again, with this entire situation, who knows if someone else would pick him up before you even can get him on a practice squad. But we have one more player to go here, and I saved him for last on purpose. And, yes, it's going to be good old Adam Shaheen. I almost wanted to put him in Tier 3, but I decided we'll just sneak <laughs> him at the end of Tier 2. Last season, he appeared in the most games since his rookie year. Uh, he had 13 balls thrown his way. He caught nine, which, by the way, those nine receptions were the second highest mark of his career. Uh, now he's entering Year 4. He has 26 catches to his name. Uh, the former second-round pick, uh, obviously, he has not been able to leave a mark, really, besides, a positive one. He's definitely left a negative one, but it seems like every offseason we get back to finding some hope around Shaheen this time of year, but it's different for me this year, Nick. It really is. My expectations for Shaheen last year, I was like, you know, he can put it all together, and I put a smile on it, and like, he can do it. Not this year. Uh, my expectations are literally zilch. I don't have any. Uh, right where I was with Kevin White right before he left. But honestly, this one is, I mean, I'm, I'm done with it. I don't even want to have a huge talking point on Adam Shaheen. But as we near training camp, as it's starting to get its early stages going now, anything you want to mention about Adam Shaheen as we enter camp? You know, well, I will join you right there with Adam Shaheen and what you kind of think about him. He's he's had time to kind of prove himself 
but he's landed on IR. He's landed on the bench. He just hasn't produced in his time here. And being a second-round draft pick, you have those expectations placed on your name as a football player, and he has not met even close to any of them and hasn't done really much at all for this Bears football team in a positive way. Like you were saying, you have other tight ends that will make this team, already are penciled in, and then there are other guys that we've already talked about that I would put over Adam Shaheen just because of maybe one experience or potential. Adam Shaheen, he was supposed to have potential. It's not there, Will. I think that experiment is over with. The Bears obviously made a bad decision with drafting him, and we can honestly move on because I think that's exactly what the Bears are going to do. Once training camp really starts and once it ends, I don't think Adam Shaheen is going to be a relevant name here in Chicago anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's where I'm at. Definitely seems where you're at. I'm, the comments here on YouTube aren't overly kind either. So it just, I think the writing's on the wall here, which I guess it's time for him to, you know, turn it around and prove everyone wrong now. But again, not really going to even uh, hold my breath for half a second thinking that's actually a possibility. But it's unfortunate. I mean, again, like I said, years past, we really tried our best to make a case for him and make it I'll say it make excuses that he, he got hurt he got injured he got injured again his shoe was on tight he fell again it's <laughs> just things like that uh but it's just I can't do it again I, I would feel foolish and silly if I even found a way to make this any bit more positive and I, this is me being as nice as I can like possibly because we don't go on the show to bash players or anything like that it's just there's just nothing good to say about Adam Shaheen, and unfortunately, that's the case. And luckily for the Bears, I think we've found some contingency plans to move away from this failed experience, uh, as Nick, you mentioned, and just have a, a better tomorrow so we can just focus on something else. But is there anything else you want to mention with the second tier, Nick? Uh, the battle between all these guys really is going to be something to watch, and it's something that I really believe... It would have been a lot more fun if we had a typical training camp preseason experience to kind of see it all unfold because these guys do need to separate themselves from each other, but it's going to be much more behind the scenes this year. And of course, preseason games, we don't even know how teams are going to approach those. So it's it's not the same old song and dance for this kind of position battle. But anything else you want to mention? I wish we could watch it. I really do because these guys, a lot of them, like a Horstead and a Holtz, I mean, they're like neck and neck type of guys where it can go one way or the other. And that's what training camp was supposed to be all about. And unfortunately, we're not going to get that. Yeah. And they have different skill sets. Like the two guys you just mentioned, Holtz, more of a blocking kind of guy, Horstead, a re- receiving guy. And one more update for you, Will. It doesn't look like there's going to be any preseason games, uh, according to Tom Pelissero. So we don't even have that to kind of base some of these lower end guys. So. It's going to be interesting and see, you know, shaking your head there, but it's like that we we won't know. And those training camp battles that we love watching, obviously we know what some of the stars are going to do and seeing them perform well is great, but it's these second and third string guys that maybe move, maybe a third string guy goes into the second string offense and is making his way up. We love seeing that and reporting on that. We won't have that opportunity this year just because of everything going on in the world, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. They all have, like I said, unique skill sets, and the Bears are going to find value, I think, in the second tier guys, too. Whoever they do end up keeping on, they're going to find value in those guys. You just keep like knocking me down. Hey, Will, we're going to have to knock 10 guys off this roster in a week. Hey, Will, by the way, no preseason games. I, 
I don't know. I, I mean, I'm living under a rock apparently uh, over these last few weeks, and I'm gonna. I obviously I got to dig out of it once we get closer to the actual season here. But who, buddy, here just get me some jabs here. And I'm <laughs> absorbing them, but that's a lot to take. I couldn't imagine it being a front office personnel like guy right now because like the decisions and how everyone needs to adjust. It's just so much. I mean, again, this isn't the, I mean, every profession's going through. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART 20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. And this isn't unique to football by any means, but at least for the sake of this podcast and Chicago Bears, I mean, it just makes everything so much more difficult. I mean, how are we supposed to have a kicker battle, Nick? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> seriously, how can we do that? Right? But uh, I think that's going to do it for the second tier, and I know we need to give out some shout-outs. Uh, do you want to kind of kick off this segment and I'll uh, step in when necessary? Yeah, so I'll start off with um, the shout-outs that came through Venmo. And first shout-out goes to Jesse Colson from Richmond, Virginia. Jesse, thank you so much for the donation. Will and I greatly appreciate it. And our second one goes to Sergio Landa from Las Vegas, Nevada. I Unfortunately, I went to, to Vegas when I wasn't 21, Will. And good, <laughs> a great time, fun. It was a family trip, but definitely want to go back now that I am over 21. That's what and I hear, that Vegas is a great great place for a family. You hear that? <laughs> no. It actually was fun, though. I'm not going to lie with my family. But you see a lot of interesting stuff. And Tony Romo was actually there gambling away money. You had people coming away from the casino like, Tony Romo just put down X, Y, and Z amount of money. I'm like, can we go in there? I'm like, you're not allowed. So whatever. But uh, And then uh, to move on here with the shout-outs, um, of course – we have our good friend Mason West from Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois. And I'm going to tell you about Mason's location. Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois is a physical therapy office that emphasizes hands-on therapy while maximizing performance by increasing strength and muscle activation. Whether your goal is to play pickup basketball in the park or compete for a starting job on your college team, Team Rehab can help you reach your goals. They see everything, post-surgical, nagging pain, injury prevention, performance enhancement, and all ages, such as a 10-year-old gymnast to a 60-year-old runner. Mason West is a former collegiate wrestler and a lacrosse player who combines his passion for sport and rehab into one package. Contact Mason at 224-512-7200 or find him on Instagram at dr.masonwest underscore sports PT to begin your journey to be the best athlete you can be. Now, Will, I'll hand it over to you to give out the shouts that you got. Great. So I got four that came in over PayPal, but the very first one, this is a delayed shout out, Nick. Uh, it's for Frank Bell. Frank, if you're listening, I'm so sorry for the delay here. I think it's been about a month uh, that you've been waiting for your shout out. Probably wondering, what the heck happened, guys? Uh, Frank, uh, I don't know how you did this, but you did find our old PayPal account with our old branding. I can't say the name here on the show, but... I don't know how you found it. And if you ever want to reach out to me to let me know where it came from, that'd be great so I can turn that off so that way it comes through the right channels. But uh, Nick was checking our old email inbox. I was like, hey, have you seen this one come in from Frank? Because I don't have him on our list. And 
There it was. So, Frank, congratulations for uh, finding, I guess, the golden ticket here. Uh, but really, thank you for all your support. I, again, you've been waiting for such a long time. I apologize about that wait, but uh, I don't know how you did that, you sneaky devil. But thank you so much for the <laughs> donation, and I hope this shout-out's worth it, and hopefully it made you laugh along the way. Uh, we have another one that came in from Simon Hughes. Simon, thank you for your support of this show. It really does mean a lot to both Nick and myself. And then Lee Davies from Wales, UK. Lee, I know this isn't your first donation. Uh, you've been coming in here consistently helping Nick and I out. Hopefully, you know, obviously it's not helping Nick's microphone out right now, but hopefully we can figure out what the issue is uh, with some of your generous donations. And last but not least, I have Neil Hayes all the way from Sydney, Australia, coming in with a decent-sized donation itself. So, Neil, I appreciate you all the way down under. It's awesome. Again, wherever we can hear and just see the support from all across the globe. It's just remarkable. And to know we have a listener and you all the way down in Australia uh, is honestly, I feel quite accomplished. So thank you so much for your support of the show. And of course, your assistance. And Nick, before I hand it over to you to let people know how they can get their shout out on the show and how they can help support uh, the longevity of our podcast. I did see on a previous episode for a YouTube listener, someone asking, doesn't YouTube pay you per episode? And it's true. We do activate ads. So we do get a little bit of monetization from each episode, but I did run the reports and I think our average is about $3 and 70 some odd cents per show. So YouTube, they're rather st- I got, I'll use the word stingy. We don't make a lot from these shows on YouTube. It's super modest. And we have to make $100 before they even ship it over to Nick and I. So it takes quite some time, as you can imagine. So YouTube, as much as it's it's great to have this platform in terms of monetizing uh, with our audience and its size, uh, we're not getting millions of streams. It's just not really a viable path to kind of get some support for our show. But Nick, I want to hand it over to you because I know people are listening and are like, you know what? I want Will and Nick to say my name on the podcast. I want a shout out. How do I do that? Yeah, it's a good question, Will. So if you want to get a shout out on the podcast, here's how you can make that happen, either through Venmo or PayPal. If you send us a $5 donation, we'll give you a shout out on the next podcast. And when you send us that donation, put down your name and where you are from. Like Will was saying, it's great to hear where where the support is coming from. Australia, that's awesome. We get people from the UK, all over the United States. We love to hear that, and we just want to make sure when we give the shout-out, you guys are recognized um, exactly where you're from and who you are. So it's awesome, like I said, seeing the wide variety of places and people that support the Chicago Audible. So on Venmo, you can look up the username, the Chicago Audible, should see my name, Nicholas Moriano, and also the Chicago Audible logo. Then on PayPal, you can make the donation to chicagoaudible.com slash paypal um again username for venmo the chicago audible paypal chicago audible.com slash paypal and again everybody that's donated in the past since we started doing this a couple months ago we greatly appreciate it it doesn't go unnoticed and it just lets us know that we're doing a good job we really are will and we just want to thank you guys by giving you a shout out on the podcast And it's going to happen more often, too, because we have a lot of episodes as we get to our regular season schedule as, you know, we... We skip through the summer. It goes by real quick once we begin Countdown to Camp. I remember starting this in May, Nick, and it's every year we start this in May or the very first week of June. It's like, why are we doing this now? We have such a long time until we get to camp. And then we blink and like, hey, we have to do three episodes in one week to kind of wrap this whole thing up. So it happens quick. But I'm excited to ramp up, get to the 2020 season. And I know you and I were talking about 
ways that we want to improve ourselves, our show as we cover the Bears for this. Uh, honestly, it's going to be an unprecedented type of season, and I'm I'm interested. I'm not going to say excited because I wish it was a normal year, but I'm interested to see how it all kind of plays out. But Nick, we have one more tier of tight ends to talk about, and then we, of course, we get to choose. We don't get to choose. We get to predict who's going to be on the <laughs> roster. I wish we had a choice, and then we'll play some over under, make some predictions along the way to wrap this thing up. But quickly, let's go hit um, tier three. We have two players. We have Darian Clark. He's a former USC basketball player who decided to pick up football two years ago. Uh, tremendous size. He's six foot seven. I think his basketball playing weight was like 230 something. So obviously he needs to add some bulk to his frame if he's going to make it here in the NFL. Uh, he did enter the XFL draft pool, but he didn't get drafted. Uh, he did have a workout for the Bears in December, and that's how he got that future contract. Intriguing prospect, but again, uh, no experience. I was going to say little experience, but it's actually no experience. <laughs> And then you have Eric uh, Saubert. Is that how it is? Or is it Saubay? I think it's Saubert. Saubert. Hey, that's fitting. I think you're just making it up now. But Eric Saubert, uh, we saw him last year in a very limited role. Uh, he had two seasons with the Falcons. He got traded to the Patriots and was waived at the end of last August. He spent time on the Raiders practice squad until the Bears signed him in November. Uh, after that, he had two catches for 21 yards. So, Nick, I know we have a guy here. He's been in the league since 2017, but he hasn't really made a mark. Uh, we have another guy who's just honestly brand new to the game of football. Uh, not a lot to work with here in Tier 3. Is there anything that you want to mention about these two players heading into camp? Are they even going to make it into camp? Because if you're looking at the 80-man, now that you brought it up to me on the fly, I just don't see it. Yeah, neither do I, Will. Um, look, it's interesting that the Bears, what, they have three former basketball players at one point in time as tight ends. Now, you obviously have Jimmy Graham, you have Clark, and then also Demetrius Harris played a little bit, he played college basketball at uh, Milwaukee. So they like to have these athletic type of guys come in to at least give them a chance, right? So, but when I think about these tight ends, tier three, what they can possibly add, obviously we saw Eric Sobert a little bit at the end of last season. I don't think it's enough to warrant keeping these guys on the roster, especially the active roster, right? So, yeah, they're here. They'll compete in training camp. We won't really know much about it, I would assume. Like, I don't think the you know Bears reporters are going in, what are Darian Clark and Eric Sobert going to do like this week, right? That's not, the, that's not going to be the focus. So... I just don't think that their their skill set and what and who they kind of are right now is going to warrant them getting a obviously an, a, a spot on the active roster. Maybe a Darian Clark because he's so raw, like he's, he hasn't played right, and That's but right. he's able to get he's able to get signed. Is that worth putting on the practice squad? If he makes enough plays in training camp, maybe. And no no preseason is not going to help him. A lot of these guys, right? These lower end guys. So I just don't see it happening, though, Will. Yeah, it's tough. It really is. Maybe, you know, he's a guy uh, that you just mentioned, you know, in Clark, where it's like, hey, go home, keep practicing, send us some tape, and we'll see what we can do next year with a more uh, normal circumstance. But it's just going to be really difficult. I don't think you can put him on the practice squad unless he just, you just really think he's a gem and a diamond in the rough. But if you're even. 50 50 i just don't think it's worth it unfortunately and nothing on clark it i hope he can make this transition and it all works out for him but it's a, it's a long shot uh, to say the least maybe he can be the next long shot for madden that'd be a really good story a different position besides quarterback too so hey 
you never know, maybe. But Nick, obviously uh, that wraps up every one of the tight ends entering camp. I have four on my roster prediction. Do you have four? I do have four here, Will. Okay, so you have Jimmy Graham. Mm-hmm. Cole Komet. Yes, sir. Does the next name start with a D? It does, and his last name starts with an H. So Demetrius Harris. Yep, and this is where we're going to debate here. Who's All your right, fourth? You go first. No, I was going to say on a count of three. Let's do something different. Oh, okay. One, two, three. Jesper Horsted. Hey, all right. Okay. So you went receiving. I went yes. blocking. And I mean, look, it could go either way. I just think that with the Bears and this offensive line, and maybe obviously they're looking for Juan Casillo to bring and elevate that group a lot, but it helps to have someone that is versatile. The Bears have a lot of receiving weapons. Not that Jesper Horsted doesn't add value. But they have a lot of receivers. They have tight ends that are both receiving guys. I just think that maybe they'll go the more blocking route and bring in a J.P. Holtz. Uh, kind of, I don't want to say it's similar to what the 49ers have in uh, blinking on the 49ers fullback. That is awesome. But you guys, everyone knows who's listening, knows who I'm talking about. Um, that's kind of maybe the route that I could see J.P. Holtz making a name for himself. We just saw him lined up there so many times, especially down the stretch of the season, to where I think that the Bears see value there. He can add value to his offense, and that's why he makes the team in my eyes. But go ahead with Jesper Horstead, the uh, Horstead hype or whatever. There you go. Now you're getting it. it. Now (laughs) you're coming around to it, the Horstead hype. Yeah, so for me, when I'm looking at Horstead over a Holtz, and it's – Again, it's close, and I think it can go either way, but I look at it as Graham and Komet are your top two. Harris is your next in-line blocking guy, and then you have a horse that who's that next receiving threat who can maybe come in to spell out a Graham, whereas maybe Harris can't do it to the same degree. Uh, I do like your thought, though, of using Holtz as that hybrid fullback tight end H-back. I just would wonder how much Matt Nagy would actually deploy that and utilize that. Uh, he's seen it in spurts, but not really consistently and I think the good news is hopefully they can go one way or the other and the other player could always end up on the practice squad and be waiting in the wings as well it's really it's really either or and again I wish I had a preseason that had it all worked out but we're not going to get it I also have in my notes too that maybe they keep Ron Ecker if they really like his special teams value and then you can put either a Holtz or Horstead on that practice squad again because there's a lot of options here but for me I think Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, Demetrius Harris, and Jesper Horstead give you your four best options, and they give you uh, your blocking guy in Harris, but then a another X-factor receiving type of guy in Jesper Horstead. So I think that's the way to go, but if you're worried about blocking, which you should be, Nick, then I see Holtz being another one of those paths that the Bears may definitely consider. And they could just keep five and keep both of our guys on the roster and we could both be right. But yeah, it can really go either way. And so training camp, that would be one battle if we were able to go, Will. I would really actually want to see what the Bears are doing, who's playing more of the snaps. So if they're in the first team offense, second team offense, Horstead and Holtz, that would be a good one to watch for sure. Yeah, and you talked about it too. It's, I mean, maybe this one would get a little bit of media attention, but I mean, it's going to be Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky and all these other bigger names because there's only a limited amount of media guys. And that's what I love about our coverage in the past because we do get into the nitty gritty. We get into all these smaller battles, these lower end players, 
because we understand their importance and their value. We, we love to cover this entire team from the top paid guy to the lowest paid guy and everyone in between. But I'm not trying to harp on that again. I'm just saying I wish we had an opportunity to do it because just like you, that would be such a fun battle to watch this every day. Horstead, Holtz, who's showing out and how's it working and who's clicking with which quarterback and how can that impact it? Just so many different ways you can take it and we're not going to get it, but it's okay. I'm going to hold on here, but let's play some over under. Let's get me back in a good spot here and we can talk about some of these upper tier guys. So over under, I'm setting a low bar here. I'm calling it low, but you can definitely tell me if I'm wrong. Three touchdowns for Jimmy Graham. He had three last year, two the year before. We all, we've talked about it, and it's the mantra that Aaron Rodgers doesn't like tight ends. And look what he did in Seattle right before in 2017, the 10 touchdowns. So I think three, even though that's what he's had in his high in his last two years, I still think it's a low number. But you can take the over or under on three. Yeah, this it's a good, uh, it's a good number you said that, Will, but... I'm going to go over. I'll say he gets one more and gets four touchdowns. He, I think the Bears are going to utilize him just a lot more than what Green Bay was able to get out of him. And I know, you know, initially, maybe I'm still not the biggest fan, but I, there is value in a Jimmy Graham, and we're going to see it happen in Matt Nagy's offense. So I'll go one more over with four. Yep, I have over with five. I'm going with some heavy red zone targets. He's just going to get... Uh, those favorable matchups. And like I said in the top of the show, I really like his ability to win on man coverage, whether it's a fade route in the corner and he can go up and jump and pluck that ball out or just doing some uh, either lazy slants, not lazy as he's running lazy just a route, or some crossing routes just to get in front of a guy and using his big body to box him out and just right in the end zone as well. Uh, or those wheel routes in the red zone that we've talked about too. I think there's a lot of ways it can be used and again, maybe he won't have the most eye-popping numbers in terms of yardage and receptions, but by golly, if he doesn't have five touchdowns in a red zone this year, I think uh, Matt Nagy just failed. I really do. I think there's a way to get that done. And I saw someone here, Tony, he's saying over five, maybe he's meaning he's taking the over and he's agreeing with me with five touchdowns, or he's saying he's going to get more than five touchdowns. So a lot of ways you can read a comment, Nick, but either way, we're both taking the over here. Uh, up next, I'm having the over-under set at two touchdowns for Cole Komet in his rookie season. All right, we're going to go with the two touchdowns. That's a fun number because over feels like a lot, but under feels like a little. Yeah, over would mean more touchdowns than the entire group had last season for the Bears, which they had two, Ben Broniker and Jesper Horstead. But I look, the Bears drafted Cole Komet obviously for a reason. He's going to be implemented in this offense even though rookie tight ends don't produce in their first season, I can see him getting Iowa. over a lesser from Iowa, which is fantastic school, as you all know. Um, he is going to get over two, and I won't set the number, but he's going to get, you yes, know, you we'll are. go three. I mean, we'll go three. We'll go three touchdowns, but there will be, like, unlike Jimmy Graham and maybe the yardage that's maybe not associated with him, there will be yardage with Cole Komet that he will have a good amount this season. All right, I'm actually going on the money. I don't know if that's cheating because I set the number, but I'm I'm saying on the money. I think two is a really good number for him. And, you know, there is a uh, tight end on this roster that did have three touchdowns as a rookie, you know? Adam don't Shaheen. Tell me. Oh, God. We're bringing they him all up came from. Remember, though, they all came from one yard out. 
one yard. That was his longest for the whole year, that whole 2017 season. So uh, that's what we got. So that doesn't mean anything. Honestly, Cole Komet can have less than that two and still have a much, much, much better career than what we saw out of Adam Shaheen. And as you can see, touchdowns may not be the best indicator of success in the future. But I'm going to go right in the money. I think two is a really solid number for him. All right, over or under, Nick, 55 catches for all tight ends, 46 for the entire group last year. But in 2018, Trey Burton by himself had 54. So I'm setting the over-under at 55 for all tight ends. It'll be over that, Will. That I won't give you an exact number, but it's definitely going to be over, um, you know, 50. I could see it in the 60s, 70s range easily uh, between just Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham. Okay, I put my number at 60. I took the over two. I'm a big boy. I'll put a number out there. And of course, if they get more than 60, I'm okay with it. That's not a big deal at all. If they get under 60, I'm going to be a little pissed off, though. But over 60, I'm feeling pretty good about it. But I think that's a decent bar for him. So over 55 is what we're both agreeing to, which at the end of the day makes a lot of sense. All right, one more over under. 700 total yards for tight ends. Graham had 447 a year ago in Green Bay. The four rookie tight ends I mentioned earlier in their first seasons, on average, got about 323. So I think 700 is a decent over-under mark. Or Do you think Graham and Komet and company can get over that mark, or are they going to be under? You know, well, I'm gonna, I guess I'm just feeling optimistic today, but I think they could get over that 700 mark. Um, I think that, yeah, maybe rookie tight ends don't produce very, you know, a lot of statistics in their first season, but Matt Nagy wants to use the tight ends. I think he has two, at least two starting capable guys, even though one's a rookie and one's an aging veteran, he wants to use them. And I think it's going to be the best for the offense that Mitch or Nick Foles is able to target these guys. So I'm going to go over that mark. You have a number? You going to do a number for this one? I'll set it at... 750 but it's all right i took the over as well and my number was 725 yards so we both took round numbers which is nice uh that really does help uh, for sure but (laughs) uh, yeah i agree with you i think optimistically that makes a lot of sense i believe that commit can obviously your iowa tight ends help skew those uh, average yards for rookie tight ends up a little bit more but we're not forgetting, oh, you know, Harris and all the other guys that ends up making this team as well. Uh, Horstead, Elver Holtz, if they have to choose either or. Uh, so, yeah, there'll be plenty of touches and targets and yards to go around for this group. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, true or false? I have two of these this week. Uh, Jimmy Graham, he is going to lead the Bears in total red zone touchdowns. Uh, going false there. I think it'll definitely be one of the wide receivers and we'll talk about them soon. Okay. Oh, yeah, we do. We have a couple days to talk about wide receivers. I also took false because I believe that if it's not who I think you're thinking of, is it number 12? It is number 12. I, I figured as such. If it's not number 12, then again, I don't think the Bears offense will be succeeding to the degree that we want. But if defenses want to take away Allen Robinson, then there is a chance that this could end up being a true. But I think for the Bears sake, we hope this is false. All right, one more true or false, Nick. Cole Komet will have better numbers than a top 10 pick in 2019, which was Hawkinson, uh, which he had uh, 32 catches, 367 yards, and two touchdowns. Cole that's Komet, true. That's going to be true? Mm-hmm. So he's going to have better numbers than a top 10 pick. 
He sure is. I think DJ Hawkinson also had some injuries that he was dealing with in Detroit for his first season. Not that TJ Hawkinson's not going to be a good tight end, but he will. I, I have faith that Cole Komet will produce better stats than that in his first season. Okay. I took, unfortunately, I actually went false. I have 28 catches, 300 yards, but I'm going with those two touchdowns still. Uh, so just a little under. Do you want to throw a stat line out there for Cole Komet's rookie season? Come on. I can't because that's my bold prediction is going to really, yeah, so I'm going to wait on that. All right, well, going down my list, hey, bold prediction time. Nick, what do you got? I'm I'm, I'm sure it's nothing to do with Cole Komet, so uh, bestow it upon me. Yeah, so, okay, I said that the, what, the tight ends are going to have 750 total receiving yards. Well, the bold prediction kind of puts a lot of receiving yards on just, Cole Komet here. I'll give you some some stats too as well. ESPN Ravens reporter Jameson Hensley reported that over the past 16 years, only two rookie tight ends have produced more than 600 receiving yards. That was Giants Evan Ingram in 2018 and the Seahawks John Carlson in 2008. So again, this narrative that tight ends don't produce in their first season is definitely true. And it's been the case for the last 16 years. And there have been great tight ends in the past, like Jason Wynn, Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, all totaled fewer than 45 catches and 500 receiving yards in their rookie seasons. Bold prediction now, Cole Komet will be the third tight end in the last 17 years to produce more than 600 receiving yards. And again, I don't have an exact number, but he's going to exceed 600 receiving yards. Bold prediction way out there. And I said, what, all the Titans are going to total 750. So they don't exactly correlate, but it's out there. And if that's the case for the Bears tight ends, if Cole Komet's just going off in year one, figure like Matt Nagy said, he's figured out this offense. Those are like the back of his hand, which, yeah, take that how you want. But bold prediction gets over 600 receiving yards and becomes a third rookie tight end in the last 17 years to accomplish that feat. No, it's okay if those things don't make any correlating sense because it's a bold prediction. This is outside the box. This is, you know, extrapolating just something out of thin air and hopefully it comes to fruition. I like that one a lot, which I saw our moderator Tristan here in the chat mentioned that uh, his bold prediction was Komet having more receiving yards as a rookie than Shaheen has had in his entire career, which is only... <laughs> 249 for Shaheen after all of his career. So I think there's a really good chance that that's going to happen. And if yours came to fruition, it could more than double. Uh, actually, it would more than double what Shaheen has had uh, his entire career. I guess we're getting a little bashy, so I'll stop. Uh, so my hey, well, bold... Before, before mm. you say your bold prediction, I'm sorry, I have to ask you this question to see if you know it or anybody in the chat knows it. Um, what rookie tight end had the most receiving yards in their rookie season, looking it up. Which tight end? Everyone should know this, but who was the rookie tight end that had the most receiving yards in their rookie season? I have no clue. Okay. And I, I'm not seeing anybody Yeah, don't say it in. now, because I, I, then we can let the chat roll. But when we end the show, okay. you can just say it, so that way everyone knows. And I'm sure people listening would love to know as well. So we'll let the live viewers have some time to throw in some suggestions if they want to take a guess at it. We'll get back to that one. Uh, my bold prediction, I had two and I'm glad I did because yours for Komet beat mine for Komet. So it's not nearly as bold. So I'll go with my bold prediction for Jimmy Graham. It's going to be Jimmy Graham will have double digit red zone touchdowns with 10, which is more than any other tight end last year. And like you said, Nick, at the top of the show, 
He did have 10 in Seattle in 2017, so he's going to find a way to match that here in Chicago for 2020. So that's going to be my bold prediction. Uh, my other one was a stat line for Komet of 43 catches, 575 yards, and four touchdowns. But your 600 takes the cake on that one. All right, so the only thing we need to do, we talked about so many tight ends, which weirdly I feel better about this group than I did when I prepared for the show. So it's one of those types of episodes. But what's going to be your confidence meter heading into training camp with this position? Because last year, I was at my notes, I was at a 7, like a 7.5. And I'm like, wow, I was proven completely wrong. So I'm taking, uh, you know, a little bit more into consideration this time by, but where's, where's your confidence meter at? Yeah, considering that maybe I would assume mine was somewhere in the realm of that that seven, somewhere around there, right, in confidence. But after talking about it, well, just discussing who the Bears have, what their capabilities are, their you know the production that they could you know make in Matt Nagy's offense, I'm feeling so much better about this group than I did last season. I'll give them a seven point nine, borderline eight. Like wow. I just feel confident in this group that they're at least going to be available. That's something that you can't say that the Bears tight ends were there last year. Will the production come with it? Hopefully. But I, I'm feeling confident about it, especially because we know that Cole Komet is the future of the Bears you know, tight ends. And then you're learning from a savvy veteran in Jimmy Graham. And we were just talking about Demetrius Harris being a guy that knows his system, has worked in Matt Nagy, will be producing as in that second tier of tight end. So, you have some you have some good guys in the mix. You really do for a one-two punch. And we just got to see how it all comes together. If the Bears do run more 12 personnel, which I think they will, you're going to see, I think, these guys get open, produce, have an impact at the position, which was not at all a factor in 2019. All right. I can't wait to, after the show, look back and see what you had last year to see if you felt is down as you think you did. I think you're probably more positive in July or actually we did offense first last year. So like May or June, uh, around that bears 100 weekend, I'm sure you're feeling that high and you're probably a little bit more confident than you think you were. But obviously (laughs) after 2019, our confidence was shot. And I think the bears did a really, I think a solid job rebuilding some of our confidence in this position. And we've seen Matt, uh, Matt Nagy, we've seen Ryan Pace do this in the past, uh, taking positions of weakness and finding a way to turn them into strengths. And this may be another case of that. My confidence meter is sitting at a 6.95, because I don't want people to make the joke. I already saw a smirk on your face. So 6.95 is going to be where that one's at. But like you said, Graham, he's going to be solid, especially in a red zone. I think he can be productive. He's not going to be phenomenal, but he's going to be better than any option that we had a year ago. And commit for a rookie tight end, he should also find himself uh, in some really good company um, in terms of his overall production. And I think the Bears will find some ways to get him involved. And looking at the depth as we went through it, I feel really confident. Obviously, there's a lot of players that the Bears need to weed through, but the Bears should get their best four, maybe their best five tight ends on this roster out of it instead of in years past where you just had an option like, we need to cut a guy or two. They need to cut a trio of four, five different players at this position. So they should find their best players out of it. And looking through tier two, everyone besides one player I would be happy with. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. 
At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. If it was, you know, if it was Horstead, if it's Holtz, if it's Broniker, I would even understand that they see some value in him. If, again, he's not going to be a guy that can step in, replace a Jimmy Graham if he needs to, but he's serviceable. And looking at some of the other positions we talked about depth, I feel so much better about, you know, like if we're talking about inside linebacker on defense, outside linebacker, I, I feel so much more confident about the depth at tight end compared to some other positions that we're calling strengths. So for that reason, I'm feeling from top to bottom, this is a very, I don't want to use the word complete, but a very decent group, which is for the Bears sake, a really good spot to be in as we enter 2020. And I think uh, for Jimmy Graham being the veteran that he is, for Cole Komet having the work ethic that you were able to learn from from his coach about how he's a hard worker. I think those are some ways that, and, and Harris, one more, who has experience in the system, those should really help the Bears overcome the COVID offseason. It really should. And I think uh, compared to other people and other teams that are starting this position from scratch, the Bears are in a pretty good spot. And one more for you. PFF, I saw ranked the Bears tight end at like 26th out of the entire positional group. Is is that off? Because it felt off when I saw that. And I wasn't going to mention it, but as we talked through this show and our confidence was higher than I thought it would be as I began preparations for the show a few days ago, I just can't help but think. I mean, we always know PFF is so subjective anyway, but isn't that just a little bit off, do you think? Like, not 26. Maybe they're not... They're not a top 10 unit. Maybe they're not even a top 15 unit, but bottom sixth of the league feels a little weak. You know, I think there's a lot of wait and see with the Bears, and maybe PFF is kind of accounting for that. Like, you have to see what a Jimmy Graham is actually going to do, as opposed to other offenses that have established tight ends. Like, again, the guys that we've mentioned earlier in the show, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, like those guys, they know what they have in the tight end position, and it's a strength. I guess with PFF, maybe you still got to wait and see. There's, It's a rookie tight end in Cole Komet. We got to see what he's going to do. But it doesn't surprise me in PFF. You know, look, I guess I, I know I always give them a hard time on this show, but they have some stats that I like. They have some that I don't, and then they have some that I just really don't care about. That would be one of them. That I, 26, it's whatever. We'll see when it comes down to the regular season how it all plays out. Right. No, you and I agree on PFF. There's their advanced stats and their stats, great. Their grades... Uh, rankings, anything that puts any sort of opinion or subjectivity into, you don't. You have to take it with a, probably a whole bottle of salt. But in terms of their <laughs> their actual stats that you can't, their numbers, they're they're not putting any opinion in it. It is a, a fun tool at times, but yeah, you never know uh, when it comes to that. But it was just felt uh, as we've seen on some of the other lists that we're talking about on the defense with some of the disrespect from CBS. It just felt like another one of those uh, instances here. But Nick. Before I kind of do the outro of the show, do you want to let people know who this tight end was? I saw a lot of good uh, input there. I saw, I think I saw a uh, Greg Olson, uh, Mike Ditka, some other Bears connections. Uh, was it? Is there a Bears connection? Is that why you had to throw it into the show? Absolutely. There is a Bears connection there. So the best season by a rookie tight end was Mike Ditka, 1961. He had 56 receptions, 1,076 yards, 12 touchdowns. Absolutely lit it up in 1961. And obviously the Bears would, would take anything even close. Not even, 
half of that. Honestly, you take half of those stats and be content with it. But yeah, Mike Ditka, 1961, best season by rookie tight end by far, really. The, the next one, Jer- they have Jeremy Shockey and 74 receptions, 894 yards, two touchdowns. But yeah, Mike Ditka lit it up. That's for sure. I see Brian had Ditka, Alexis had uh, Ditka. So, yeah, for everyone who went Ditka, congratulations on getting that one right. And if you're sitting at home listening to the podcast and you thought in your head, I think it's Mike Ditka, congratulations. I mean, that's awesome. I had no clue. And I know he had a good rookie season, but the best for a tight end ever? I mean, that's that's incredible. That adds a little bit more to the legend, at least in my mind as well, when it comes to uh, Mike Ditka for sure. All right, but that's going to do it, Bears fans. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning into this episode. It does truly mean a lot to both Nick and myself. And if you want to support the show, remember you can, A, leave a small $5 donation. And, of course, in return, you'll get a shout-out on our show. Nick, uh, where can they leave those donations again? I forgot. Yeah, good. I have to scroll up on my notes here. I got the username for Venmo is the Chicago Audible. Then on PayPal, chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. All right. See, I, I didn't forget, but you may have, which it's okay. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, if you don't want to leave a donation or maybe right now you don't have the financial means, all is understood. And there's some other ways that you can help us that are equally as appreciated. Number one, uh, leave a review of our show on Apple Podcasts. By doing so, it helps us reach more and more Bears fans. And on top of that, just spread the word. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, or any other Bears fans that you may know that you think would like our show. It Word of mouth, again, uh, Nick and I, we don't have advertising dollars. We can't do Facebook ads or social media ads or uh, Google AdWords. I'm not going to get geeky in the technical ad world, but we don't have the money to do it. So I can't dabble into that right now. But word of mouth from fans like you to other Bears fans really is uh, a great way to help us grow and to help show your support of the show. But we'll be back in just another couple of days, actually. Uh, we'll break down the Bears wide receivers. How big of a season can Allen Robinson have? Who's going to step up to replace Taylor Gabriel? Is Anthony Miller in store for his best year yet? What should we expect from some young guys in Javon Wims and Riley Ridley? And where do, they, where do they fit on the roster? And speaking of fits, where does Ted Ginn Jr. fit into all of this? And I think Nick and I, we have to talk about Cordero Patterson again, even though we did it during the running back show. So we'll answer all of those questions and talk some more Cordero Patterson next time. So until then, enjoy yourself. And of course, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>